Hey, it's Ian Altman. I'm joined this week by Bob London of Chief Listening Officers. And Bob and I often get these emails from people with questions about different marketing or sales strategies. And sometimes they're good and sometimes they're creepy. And um, and this week is a situation where we received one and we will leave it to you, the listener, to determine whether it's a good idea or a creepy idea. So, so Bob, what was the letter that we received? Thank you for having me, first of all. And I want to just point out, I think the reason we're getting these emails, Ian, is because for a long time we would do podcasts, and I think you called them stupid marketing ideas with Bob London or something. So people started Googling Bob London stupid marketing ideas. And now I'm at, when people Google stupid marketing ideas, this is what happens. This is what we get. Yeah, and I don't think it's good for your brand <laughs> That's to what I mean. stupid marketing associated the number with one result. Bob London. Yeah. The number one result on Google. <laughs> Thank you for optimizing me. Uh, okay, dear Ian and Bob, I have a great idea for a new type of account-based marketing, and I want your opinion. My biggest prospect is headquartered in downtown San Francisco. Lots of their employees travel in for meetings, but reasonably priced hotel space is almost impossible to find. My idea is to rent a nearby apartment, turn it into an Airbnb, and then when I'm when my prospect's employees come to stay, I'll just casually strike up a conversation and get some intelligence from them about what's going in the company and work my way into a pitch. What are your thoughts? Signed I love the names. Host with the most leads. <laughs> so interesting. Yikes. Interesting. And, and once again, I don't want to pass judgment as to whether this is a good idea or a creepy you idea. Pass something else. The first thing that comes to mind is maybe instead of renting an apartment, you want to buy. <laughs> and that way you get the depreciation. And the I think I'm on the wrong podcast. Is this the real estate hour <laughs> exactly. with Ian Allman? I don't understand why you're so, saying that. So maybe um, <laughs> maybe the investment strategy isn't what we should focus on. So, so what's going to happen is you're going to have this – host with the most leads is going to say, okay, so now I'm going to stop by when people are there and I'm going to strike up a conversation about what's going on in their business. And then it becomes a slippery slope. You know what I mean, Bob? No. What do you mean? Why is this a problem? So, so what happens is now our host with the most says, well, I can't be there at all times when they're there. So you know what? I'm going to get a little surveillance equipment. I'm going to get a listening device and put it in the living room. And then they're going to realize, well, people aren't always in the living room. So maybe I should get four or five of these devices. Next thing you know, it's late at night and the guy is doing a Google search for shower cams. <laughs> and and the police come. And, and you it's can just... see the search because you've got the Wi-Fi. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and so it becomes just really a scary thing to have happen. But – what I want to consider is I'm sure I'm sure the next phase the person goes through is, wait, I'm going to make this less expensive than any other Airbnb in the area. And that way it attracts these people like a magnet. Right. Next thing you know, he's buying Facebook ads targeting that company's employees so that they're staying at his property, but no one else sees it. But let's just think through what is this person's likely intent when they're doing this and they're trying to attract the employees from their ideal customer. Why do you think they'd be doing this to begin with? Well, I think uh, as as is um, common these days, courtesy of Simon Sinek, you think about this this poor guy or woman, I don't know, host with the most leads. What's their why? What is, as you say, what's their intent and what's driving them to do this? Well, obviously, they're having a problem hitting their sales numbers. Why, why else would anyone go to such lengths to rent an Airbnb near their prospects headquarters, blah, 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 all the stuff he said? 
And what is driving that? And and the, the, the thing that's usually driving um, a problem in sales is it's going to be something having to do with relevance or positioning or messaging or sounding like everybody else. And so this person is just, you know, let's just assume they're a good person. Their intent is good and positive, but they're going about it in a totally ridiculous way, obviously. Yeah. And, and so their intent is likely Look, I want to get an understanding of what's important to these employees. What challenges are they facing in at work? Why would they be attracted to or repelled from our products and services? So they're probably just trying to get a sense of – Maybe they'd be repelled because you're, the guy is recording them in an Airbnb. <laughs> that, well, that that could be it. And, and once he gets hauled off to jail for that, then it becomes harder to build trust as someone who is, <laughs> well, listen, I'd love to meet with you, but I'm incarcerated That's a at the great moment. blog post. How to build trust when you're calling from prison, cold exactly. calling from prison. Exactly. Well, it makes it harder. Collect call. It makes, it makes it harder. It's not impossible. But it certainly it certainly raises the bar a bit. Yeah, you have a collect call from Joe at Marketo from prison. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Marketo. Love you. Big acquisition. <laughs> so if people are trying to get a sense of what's going on with their customer, if they're trying to get a sense of how are they wired, that in essence the voice of the customer and what their priorities are, then there's got to be a better way to do this than an Airbnb with surveillance. A better way, a more effective way, a cheaper way, and a less risky way. Absolutely. You know what is crazy about all this is if someone would go to those lengths to get some insight or intelligence, you could say, well, as you're saying, like what what is what are some other ways? The the most effective way happens to be the one that is right under our collective noses, which is if you want to discover your customer's truth, what's really going on, what they're saying when you're not around, just ask. Just ask them. It's a world of transparency now. And, I mean, and, and this is something, Bob, that obviously I, I didn't have you on just for your charm and wit. Um, <clears throat> cause, thank you. Because clearly then we wouldn't have you on. But <laughs> but but it's it's more – this is an area where you've got your finger on the pulse. And so what's some of the types of information that people – in business want to get about their customers, what are the mistakes that they make in trying to get those answers and what kind of questions should they be asking right. in order to collect that information? All right. So let's talk about one example, which is that uh, you have a meeting with, let's just say a prospect, that you have a meeting with a prospect and you come back and there's, you know, you, you and your team are huddling. How do you think it went? How do you think it went? You're dissecting everything. What you really want to know is what did they say? What are they saying right now? What what are they saying in the room that they're huddling in? What's their postmortem look like for the same meeting? And what I do and what I recommend my clients do, and it's extraordinarily effective, if you want to know what they're talking about after the meeting, you call them and you say, hey, I'm curious, what did you guys talk about after we left? What's the first thing you said to each other? By the way, this doesn't require any software. So, so Bob, so, so what you're saying is if you're curious about what your client was thinking when you left the meeting, then a day or two after the meeting, you can call up and you ask a question that sounds like this. So what did you guys discuss? Or what were you thinking after the meeting? Right. You know, uh, one thing that I've learned and uh, is that people are so disarmed uh, by the question and also impressed that you have the confidence to ask, because let's face it, Nothing's going to go anywhere for either side 
if and and it, it feeds right into same side selling. Find out if you both want the same thing. It's like, well, so when I did it recently, uh, I happened to find out. You know what? Um, we we were impressed. We thought that the ideas were spot on, but we had one concern. Here's what it is. And by the way, that concern didn't come up in the meeting. So you're finding out things that are extraordinarily insightful and valuable that you might not have gotten otherwise that can help you propel things forward. What are some of the questions that people rarely ask, but they should be asking? And then I'm going to want to get to who should be asking those questions and how. So one of the things, so that was a prospect example, let's say. Let's talk about a customer example where you're, let's say you're the VP of customer success or head of account management for a company and you, you just you, you have this stuck in your thoughts stuck in your head. There are a lot of competitors. Are we adding enough value? Because value is that layer that's hard to define. It's not written down in the contract. It's sort of outside the lines. It's outside the guardrails of what you've agreed to. How, how do we know if we're adding enough value? And what is that value? What do customers find valuable? The question you ask if you're having that thought is, hey, you know, I just want to ask, what, what would you lose if we went away? And, and the way that goes is you obviously say, you know, hypothetically, we're not going away. But what would what would happen if uh, someone pulled the plug on our product or service or we went away? Could we be a services firm, too? And that's similar to in same side selling. What we often encourage people to ask a client once the client says, yes, this is this challenge we're facing. We ask them, well, what happens if you don't solve that? Right. And that gives you a sense of urgency and value. And similar, right. similarly, if somebody has your product or is using your service in house and you say, what would life be like if you didn't have this? That's when people start imagining, Oh really? That would be a big deal. Or you know what? It wouldn't be that big of a deal. Now, what I often find interesting is that if you ask anybody, let's say there was software for doing bids and, and estimates on projects and you go to the software company and you say, so what do you think your customers will say? I'll say, oh, they'd be dead in the water. They wouldn't be able to get quotes out. I said, really? So their business would just stop? Of course not. They would find an alternative. And the alternative often means more labor, more mistakes, more headaches. But it's not like they're going to just shut down their operation because your product or service doesn't exist anymore. So we're totally cool. Totally cool with that. We're making a huge assumption, Ian which is that the people who are listening to this podcast, the tens of millions, are they, that they want the truth, that they are going to be uh, brave enough to ask questions that, because as you said, it could go a number of ways if you ask these questions. The point is that the, if, if the customer is thinking it, you need to know it. If it's good, great. If it's bad, even more important that you know it because you can't pro- solve a problem if you don't know what it is. So asking what would happen if you if, if we went away, yeah, there's a risk that they're going to say, yeah, the world wouldn't end. Uh, we'd be fine. Um, and then that helps you understand the value gap. If you hate wondering if your client or prospect ever opened your email, then check out today's sponsor, MailTag.io, a Chrome browser extension for Gmail that allows you to track and schedule emails. You get real-time alerts as soon as they open your email or click a link. Try it for free for 14 days without giving your credit card. I asked them for a special offer for you, and boy, did they deliver. Just use the promo code Ian, and you can save 50% off your MailTag subscription for life. For more info, check out mailtag.io, and the link will also be in the show notes. This is something that I know that 
for different organizations, it, it comes in different forms. I mean, sometimes there's people who they reach out to a customer and um, and they ask a question, they get an answer right away. Sometimes they send a message, they're not even sure if the person opened the message. So they're wondering to themselves, did they or didn't they open the message? Did they or didn't they care to respond? Did they share it with somebody else or not? And that gives you a sense of whether or not the question you're asking is going to work. Now, I know that email isn't always the best place and the best way to ask those questions. And I know that, in fact, sometimes there are traps that people fall into when trying to get information from their customers. What are some of those traps and how do you overcome them? Sometimes it can be the question. Sometimes it can be the person who's asking the question or questions. Um, and I know that sometimes what people do is they ask a loaded question to get the answer they want. Right. And, and I think what you, what the two questions we just talked about, what'd you guys talk about after I left and uh, what would you lose if we went away? Those are totally open-ended. There is no bias in them. They're not loaded at all. Um, what did you think of the value proposition we presented is a, more loaded. Yeah. So that's, that is a trap. How Another, cool did you think our software was? Well, I'll tell you, I, I would say that a lot of the trap, Ian, is people convincing themselves that these questions won't work, that they, they won't get answered candidly, number one. Or number two, and I've had people say this, it's like I, I'll present the whole methodology and they'll say, well, what happens then? What happens when you get all these insights? How do you prioritize them? Like, you know what? Um, that's a good question and it's important to have a plan for that, but that's not what we're talking about. Why do you need an excuse or a reason or a business driver to listen to your customers? So I think the traps come a little bit before the commitment. The other thing is, yeah, as soon as they answer that you're defending, you're, you're, you're justifying and defending. That is a classic no-no when you're having an open-ended, I call it agendaless listening. And you just want to hear, what, hear them out. You don't have to explain or defend anything. Um, if, they, if they talk about a problem, there are, you know, there, there's a, there's an approach where you just say, I, I totally get that. I understand. I want to let you know, I hear you on that. And we're going to do some follow-up uh, with you to drill down deeper on that because you, you have to move towards the problems, right? To learn more. So those are some of the traps. And what sort of insights have you found? Cause I know you've talked to conservatively a gazillion people um, on behalf of all t different types of industries, what are some of the surprises you found and what are some of the things that are most surprising to your clients in terms of who you elect to talk to or don't talk to? And even, even the notion that, and I, I know I've seen this in your experiences in that sometimes you get different answers than the client would get if they asked the question themselves. How does that work and why? Well, so I, I like to tell companies that they can do this themselves and they can, and I've coached them to do it. Right. So you have an ebook about that. We'll make sure to put that in the show notes. Cool. So thank you. So, but, but I think no matter who's asking, if you ask the right way and, and set up the conversation the right way, you position it the right way and listen the right way, you'll get the truth. And I've coached enough CEOs and others to, that, 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 to doing that, that I know that that works, whether it's me or not. Um, having said that, I am at more of a distance from it. So the way I hear things is going to be different. And, and sometimes that's more valuable because I'm not making leaps of faith that uh, a CEO who's, who's doing the calls with their own customers might make. And I'm talking about during the call or even after the call to synthesize. So, um, 
So that's that's that that's a that that's a that's a phenomenon that um, I think people think about is like, well, we better have Bob do it. You know what? Just focus on the. Remember, we talked about before the intent. You want to get the truth. You can get the truth yourself. The question is, are you going to be sort of brave enough to ask the questions, not knowing the answers? It's, you remember, the, like all the Perry Mason. Never ask a question that you don't know the answer to in the courtroom. You know, this is the opposite. This is ask all the questions of things you don't know. Yeah, And this is not a courtroom. So it's not exactly this isn't, a, this isn't a trial. The idea is to ask questions. Oftentimes, I know that in my business, I'll ask questions that convince me that I'm not the right fit for that client. That happens all the time. And and, and people will people will say to me, well, so then what do you do? I said, I help them find the right solution because – if you're not it, you want to find that out as quick as humanly possible. Well, this is the reason this goes back to the same side selling approach. And, and that is that what you find is that the, the seller and the buyer both want the same thing. They, that's not saying that the, the, the buyer it wants to help the, the seller achieve a quota. That, but but the, the, once you rally around the buyer's challenges, their business, cha- not their, not the specific product set challenges, but what's going on, what's on their whiteboard, which is another question. Hey, tell me, tell me what's on your whiteboard right now. Um, because that gives you a sense of their priorities, what's hot. But asking those questions is, um, you know, the, the, you find that the other person is on the, the, the seller, the buyer is just as motivated to talk. I, I schedule calls in for 20 to 30 minutes. More than half the time, the calls go over, and I'm I'm ready to cut it off at 30 minutes because I'm respectful. People want to talk; they yeah. want to share. It's always surprising how much they want to share, and I'm never disappointed. Now, you asked also about what insights have gotten. I, I, you know, there's I can't I can't share details of specific you know companies and their insights. Um, I do have on my at chieflisteningofficers.com where you'll see the ebook that you mentioned before. There are about a dozen case studies and, and client stories that will explain examples. Um, but, you know, one, the, the most striking one is a software company that was, uh, they didn't have any customers, any paying customers, but they had some beta customers and they were struggling. And I called and asked some questions and they said, well, you know, we're never going to buy the software. I said, well, you're a beta customer. Weren't you interested? No, we're not. We were never, we're never going to buy it because of these. Pro- why? Because of these problems. I mean, they're very straightforward with you. I'm, I'm still a little bit amazed that people are so open and transparent when you ask about their objectives as a company. Uh, no one treats anything as, as private anymore. It's all transparent. And I think that the major message here is that you don't have to do something creepy. You don't need to, you don't need to buy a piece of property and rent it as an Airbnb and surveil people. If you ask the right questions, you'll get insight that helps you determine how to message what you've got and you can figure out where you can help your clients in the most dramatic ways just by asking the right questions and dare I say, listen. Yes, absolutely. I love that. So, um, Bob, thanks for sharing your insights. The best place I'm assuming for people to learn more about you is at chieflisteningofficers.com. Absolutely. All right, perfect. Well, I'm sure we will have Bob back again. And remember, this show gets its direction from you, the listener. If there's a topic you'd like me to cover, if there's a guest you'd like me to have on the program other than Bob, (laughs) drop me a note to ian at ianaltman.com. Have an amazing week. Add value and grow revenue in a way everybody can embrace, especially your customer.